0: Hey everyone, welcome to today's High Score, Sifted Games' weekly call-in show. We're here on Twitch at twitch.tv siftedgames every Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific. The show is supposed to be around 90 minutes long, but it usually goes over. I usually come in with a ton of topics and we only get to a few, but this week I'm going to try to limit calls to each topic to one or two. So we get through more topics. Last week was great, don't get me wrong. Uh, it was a big discussion about games and guns, which is something that has a lot of layers and takes a lot of conversation. Uh, this week the topics are a little lighter and uh, a little more fun, and so I want to try to get through as many as I can on today's episode. A couple things before we get started. Don't call in and be an asswipe. You're going to get taken out of the show immediately. It's not worth it um, when you do call in. Make sure that you have headphones or, an ear, or earbuds in. Otherwise, we're going to get an echo on the show. Uh, so if you could help us out with that, that would be sweet. Um, the Skype handle is Sifted Games, all one word. And generally how it works is I'll intro a topic, and then I'll have a call for calls. And that's your cue to call in. Another thing I want to do differently on this week's episode, because we're going to do more topics than usual, is I want to tell you guys what we're going to talk about before the show kind of kicks off. That way, if you guys have a point on something or on one of the topics that you really want to get across, you can kind of wait until we get to that topic and then you can call in. Uh, One other note, if I'm talking to someone, don't bother calling in. There's no one here to handle calls on hold. Uh, So if you call in while I'm talking to someone else, it's just going to ring and ring and I'm not going to answer it. So... And i know there's a mad rush when i finish a call y'all jump in i try to get new people on the show every week um so if people are calling in who call every week and someone else is calling in at the same time who hasn't been on the show i'm going to err on the side of the person who hasn't been on the show before um and i think that's it for the logistics like i said we're here every saturday 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m eastern on saturday So hope to see you guys next week. Let's get on with the show. Um, I'm going to kick things off with a topic that I'm afraid this topic is going to generate almost as much discussion as the Games and Guns discussion last week. And that is Epic Games Store. Epic Games Store announced this week that cloud saves are now live. And there are a ton of other features that are coming very soon to Epic Game Store. And I'm going to just run them down very quickly. Um, Library filtering and sorting is coming soon. So basically, all the games that you've bought, you'll be able to sort them however you want. Uh, Playtime tracker is coming very soon. Uh, And that's basically a mechanism for self-refunds. So say you've only played a game an hour, you don't like it, you want to return it. uh, The time tracker will let Epic Games know that you're okay to return that game. Um, also humble store integration is coming so if you've bought games on the humble store they will appear in your library on epic game store so i know on sifted at least and i know there are people on the show right now watching the show who don't spend a ton of time on sifted maybe they're from our youtube channel or they just hang out at our patreon but on sifted this has been a huge topic of discussion ever since epic game store launched it's been a thing on sifted there's a lot of pc gamers on sifted And uh, they have very strong opinions about Epic Game Store. And I think one thing that they, they complain about a lot is exclusives on Epic Game Store. And they're angry that there are exclusives on Epic Game Store because they typically use Steam. And at first, I think that, I don't know, I think that's always kind of a flimsy argument because we've been dealing with exclusives on platforms, on consoles since the beginning of the industry. PC, it is something that's a little different that ultimately, what difference does it really make? It's just another icon on your desktop that you have to click on instead of the other icon that's sitting right next to it. So it's, I don't know. To me, the exclusive games thing, doesn't hold a lot of weight. It held more weight when Epic Game Store first launched because it didn't have a lot of features. It wasn't close to feature parity with Steam. And look, I know someone's going to call in and they're going to ramble off like 80 things that Steam does right now that Epic Games Store hasn't even announced that it's working on at this point. But I would argue that a lot of those things are really starting to get into the minutia of Steam. And honestly, there are a lot of features that I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people who use Steam don't even use. For instance, I use Steam... I buy pretty much all my PC games on it. I do use Epic Game Store. I do use Humble. Um, But on Steam, I use hardly any of its features. I literally use it as a storefront, and then I use some of its community stuff, uh, chat and things like that. Uh, People will send me messages sometimes asking if we can be friends on Steam or whatever. But that's pretty much the extent of what I use Steam for. Now, I'm well aware I'm not a quote-unquote PC gamer or part of the master race because I do play other platforms. I play all other platforms and I play PC a lot. In fact, I think if I actually added up the time per year that I spend playing video games, I would say my PC is pretty close to the PS4. And that's because a lot of multiplayer games that I play fairly regularly tend to be on my PC. League of Legends, I always play on my PC. Um, and I've spent a lot of time playing League of of Legends, and across a year, I will spend a lot of time playing League of Legends. So, I'm not officially a PC gamer, but I have been playing PC games and owned a gaming PC for literally the last 25 years. So, I'm not, I'm not just PC, but I think I have a good idea of what PC gaming is all about, and why people resonate with Steam so much. So... The first call I want from someone is someone who thinks Epic Game Store is terrible. Uh, I want a call from someone who disagrees with me first. So we can kind of get, you've heard my side. Now we want to get the other side. And once we get that, then a couple other people can call in who are maybe in the middle or maybe like some parts of Epic, Epic Game Store and don't like other parts of it. But really, I guess my problem is I don't know why people are so angry over it. So call us at Sifted Games on Skype. Let us know your impressions of Epic Game Store. And if you don't like it, let us know why. Uh, Because to me, as time goes on, what you're seeing is Steam has kind of hit its peak. And Epic Game Store is now the the one that's playing catch-up, but it's catching up really quickly. And Steam and Valve has got to the point where it doesn't seem like it has a whole lot of ideas for ways to improve or add new features to steam most of the stuff that valve is doing these days is looking at Existing features and then tweaking them in some way to make them more user-friendly or to have them make more sense or be more intuitive so I think over time the gap between epic game store and steam is just going to keep narrowing and keep narrowing until it gets to the point where they're basically at feature parity And then what excuse do you have for not liking Epic Games Store? So again, call us on Skype at Sifted Games. Maybe you don't even know about Epic Games Store and you just know about Steam. um, And you want to just call in and say, well, this is what I like about Steam. I don't know what Epic Games Store has because I don't use it or I refuse to use it. But maybe you can call in and just inform us on what it is about Steam that makes you love it so much. Other than the fact that you've been buying games on there since 2003. And uh, I think that's when it launched. 2003? Is that right? Yeah. 2003. So 16 years. And I, I get it. A lot of you guys have been using it all along. And you've built up your massive libraries on Steam. And you don't want to have to go somewhere else where you manage another library. I would argue that's It's a pretty flimsy complaint but anyway get at us at stifted games on skype we're live we're waiting for your calls without your calls this show doesn't happen so we need your calls um i can't sit here and talk for 90 minutes and not have people participate so don't be shy you can come in with just audio if you want you don't have to use video we prefer video but we can use audio only call in let us know what you think i know you guys care about this i see it on the site What's up? You're not willing to stand here in front of everybody and back up your opinions? What is it? Um, Give us a call. Um, While I wait for someone to call about Epic Game Store, which is something people seem to be completely (laughs) irritated with but don't want to talk about, I'll start going through some of these other topics to give you guys some context in case you want to call in on some of the later topics. So, one of the topics is gaming addiction. This week, uh, HBO show Real Sports... Uh, which is a great documentary show typically, although now I'm starting to wonder if it is, did a story about gaming addiction. In fact, it is curated right now on Sifted, and it's basically near the top of the page if you want to see it after the show's over. Uh, And I think Real Sports tried to be unbiased, and I think it tried to create a show that focused on both sides. But to me, basically they got... Feedback from the side that says games are bad. And then the only person on the side that said games were good was the new head of the ESA. So I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about Halo Infinite's creative director leaving the project. Apparently it happened last week. The news just broke yesterday via Kotaku, of course. Seems to break all this stuff. But that's a big deal, people. The creative director of a huge game like Halo Infinite leaving the project essentially right before it's about to hit crunch. Um, So that's another topic I want to discuss. Um, Another thing I want to bring up for the show is Switch. So it was announced this week that if you've recently bought a Switch and you got an old model, you can send your new old model in, and they'll give you the new new model. Uh, And I want to have a discussion about early adoption of technology and gadgets and whether that's a good thing, whether you feel like you're burned from that. Uh, and then the last topic, realistically, there, there's actually several more topics, but realistically, I think we may get to this last one. And uh, PC Gamer did a list this week that was the biggest game exploit you'll admit to using. It's a great list. I'll say this, the picks for their list was a, were a little obscure, um, and I have some picks that aren't as obscure that I am fully willing to admit that I took part in. So those are the topics for today's show. Uh, if any of you guys want to discuss Epic Game Store, I can't believe we're not getting calls on this. Is Skype working? <laughs> like, um, I'm shocked that no one wants to talk about this. Some of you guys maybe you aren't even on Steam or Epic Game Store, but you're used to using storefronts. You use Xbox Live. You you use PSN. You lo- use uh, the eShop which is a fraction of what the others are but still it's a it's a storefront. So if any of you guys use those, tell us about tell us what you like about those and what you don't like about those and I feel like I'll be able to relate that to the topic. Is anyone on the stream? Is anyone there? <laughs> I got to check chat. Am I sitting here by myself talking? I, ch- I chatted with a couple of you guys when the show started. And see, this is the problem. If you guys aren't going to participate, there's not going to be a show. We did this before. Um, I came in. There's a lot of work that goes into this show. And there was, like, before when we did the show, before we lost our studio and got this one back, I did an episode where no one called in. And I pretty much just gave up because I'm doing a lot of work for this show. And to do all that for nothing is really irritating. Okay, here's somebody with some guts. Cody Carter calling in. Cody. Hey Shane, are you there?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What's going on? Yeah, I, I, the only reason I wasn't calling was because I wasn't that interested in this topic compared to other ones. But I will talk about my experience on on uh, storefronts and things. Okay. Because no one else is calling in. So <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I really thought this topic would
0: drive a lot of discussion. People are feisty about this, pissed off about this. So I'm surprised that there aren't more people jumping in. But anyway, what's your take?
1: Um, So, yeah, obviously I've used Steam for years and then I went away from PC gaming because I didn't have a PC that was capable of it for about four years and I've just got back into it again. And for me, it was awesome the fact I could just sign back into my Steam account and all the games I had were all still there. And I think that's the same with all the platforms, but that's always quite handy. Epic Game Store, I haven't really connected with at all. Because basically for me, everything that I wanted was on Steam. And I've and during E3, uh, when Xbox announced uh, Xbox uh, PC Game Pass, for a, a pound it was. So I signed up for three months. Yeah, I think a lot mind, of people never, did. Bear in mind, I've never had an Xbox before in my life. Oh, wow. So, Congratulations. So, so like, I'm playing games that I've never played before. So that's quite cool. So like I've quite enjoyed that. So Halo Wars 2 was on there. So I've played that all the way through, and that's kind of get those kind of games on PC. I like so I really enjoyed that. So that was quite cool, and I don't mind their storefront actually on on PC. It's actually quite easy to use, and and actually, since in the last few weeks, it's started to get even more and more games. They're definitely at loading it up now. To start with, there was a handful, and now they're just adding more and more, which is good. So um, yeah, I played Vampire or Vampire, I don't know how to pronounce it, because uh, I didn't play that on console, so I played that on PC now and I've just played just started to play Saving Mars, Surviving Mars, sorry. So that's cool, but yeah, no, with the I don't really understand people's fuss about it if I'm honest. But maybe as I said because I'm not really a massive PC gamer to the point where I've moved I'm more of console but kind of dabble with PC. Because I've always been on different platforms, because I've been playing Blizzard games before on PC, so I always had to use their like uh, frontage, and then obviously with Steam. So I think I'm a bit more, I'd kind of move around to whatever has the game on. I'm not really worried about having a different um, interface on my PC. I do agree, though, like having Steam with your friends and friends list, and that's quite established from when I used to play. So I obviously, Sign Back On, and they're all still there, and so that's quite useful. But um, I don't understand why people are so upset on, on Sifted. But maybe I just don't get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, now, you, you said when you first started speaking that you're only interested in Steam because you feel like Steam has everything that you want or need. Does that mean yeah. that you're not open to new ideas or you just don't believe that anyone's capable of coming up with new ideas that you care about?
1: They are, but um, I would think, like, I go on the Epic Store... And none of the games that they may be offering exclusively that Steam isn't, I don't really interested in. So it may be, like, as I said, I'm happy to move to other platforms because obviously I've got the Xbox platform on my PC, I've got the Blizzard platform on my PC, so I'm happy to use different platforms if they've got games I'm interested in. You don't, my- so
0: you haven't been surprised by some of the big games that Epic Game Store has been getting exclusively?
1: Yeah, no, I'm not. I, have, I haven't been. I've been. I suppose. Um, I suppose. I think some of those games were games that I can play on console, and the ones that aren't. Uh, I. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I think it's the fact is I'm not a massive PC gamer, and all the games I look to play, I haven't gone to Steam and looked for a game and haven't found it. If that makes sense.
0: No, that makes sense totally. I
1: so, to play. So if it got to the point where I looked for a game on Steam and it wasn't there then I would probably look on Epic. And if it was there, then yeah, I'd jump in. But at the moment, I haven't got to that point.
0: But you, for, for you personally, you don't care that you have two storefronts on your PC. You're okay with that? I'm
1: not, I'm not worried about it at all. I just kind of go to where the games are. But that's kind of the way I've always been. Um, obviously, I'm a big PlayStation 4 and Switch, so I've not really been an Xbox person. But, and if it wasn't for Xbox Game Pass, I probably still wouldn't have played in these Xbox games. I don't see myself ever buying an Xbox now, like that. that's Which, interesting it's quite...
0: so you're saying that the deal for game pass actually got you on the platform for the first time yeah
1: so i can see why xbox uh pitching it, like pushing their, towards it instead of saying software... we sell
0: a billion consoles it's like we have this many subscribers
1: yep yeah, because actually that's got me on the platform i still haven't decided whether i'm gonna resubscribe after the three months Uh huh. but uh at the moment it's looking quite i probably will but i'm still on the fence but so far i've enjoyed the the three months for a dollar and we'll see what the up the step up is and i'll make a decision then i mean it's hard to complain
0: about three months of unlimited games for a (laughs) dollar
1: (laughs) exactly so this summer i've literally played all the xbox um sorry the xbox uh the psm freebies and oh, the Xbox yeah. Game Pass games that are on there. So because I've been uh, it's been spending money on other things. So it's been quite useful that I've still been able to play with games and not actually spend any money.
0: <laughs> so why do, well, you think, why do you think people are so pissed off about this?
1: I think people don't like change. That's human nature.
0: Yeah. In I mean, any, that's really what it comes down to.
1: In, in any situation, people hate change. And that's why, like, people with, like that's why Fortnite is still so successful because people have all kind of all invested in it i like people will go and try something else but then they'll go oh well, let me go back to my uh, comfort zone if you know what i mean no so i know exactly where, what you mean so where so that's steam for them like for me when i when i got my new my gaming pc the first thing i downloaded was steam and that's no one told me to do that. That's just because, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's that kind. Of, it's kind of built into you. So, yeah. And then I get exploring and then I redownloaded my the Blizzard app. And then uh-huh. obviously then Xbox announced the PC Game Pass. And I was like, oh, I'll see if I can um, do that. And it was interesting because at the time it said it wasn't compatible with my PC because of updates. Uh-huh. So I contacted Microsoft and they sorted out my PC for me remotely. Wow. To say so, it would support it. So I can't have. I've got such a high level of respect for them because I they said, they said it said the updates weren't available. So I contacted Microsoft and they said, Oh no, it's fine. You are. It's just some reason your PC's not doing the updates. They give us two minutes and they like they're like if you're happy with us to take control and they like did it all, went backdoored it and downloaded all the updates for me. So it worked. So for me, I've had a great service from them. So uh, that's quite quite impressive. I thought. Because some people would have gone, oh, no, you just wait for the update.
0: Oh, yeah. The fact they
1: actually went out of their way to do it.
0: Well, just the fact that you had customer service at all in 2019, I mean, anymore, they're like, hey, here's a chat bot to talk to. I mean, like with YouTube, there's no humans to talk to, none. You can't call anyone at YouTube. No matter how complicated your problem is, there's no human being to talk to. That, to me, is insane. Um, And that's something that I think helped Amazon – Become so big in such a short amount of time is its customer service because people yep. knew if they had a problem, one, they could call and a human being would pick up right away. And two, those human beings were instructed to side with the consumer in almost every case. And I believe that's there was a lot of uh, reticence for people to buy stuff online when it first launched. I still remember my mom... And my wife's mom, my mother-in-law all saying, I'll never buy anything online. Those criminals can get your credit card. And once that happens, any and I think Amazon, the way it handled customer service, uh, quelled the, the furor over that for a lot of people who aren't as, as accepting of technology as we are. So it's good to hear that Microsoft was willing to step up and do that for you.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I agree with you with Amazon. I've had some great things that haven't come on time or weren't the correct thing. Like 90% of the time, they're like, oh, don't worry. Don't bother sending it back. We'll just send you the right thing. Yeah. That's crazy. um, I don't know how. (laughs) I I mean, I do know how
0: Amazon makes money, obviously, but I think it's interesting that they have those kind of losses built into their business model, but their logistics are so good that it covers up a lot of those losses. And they have, you know, they have deals with carriers, so their shipping's cheaper than everybody else, and all that kind of stuff too. So, yeah, Amazon, I think, is a model for how you can run a retail business online.
1: I but, just realized I haven't had my camera on. I apologize. That's okay.
0: <laughs> we're totally, and again, we're totally fine if people just want to call in with yeah. audio and well, don't I want normally, to be on camera. I
1: normally do. I just forgot to click the button.
0: Totally fine. <laughs> but Cody, thanks for calling. Thanks for bailing me out here. I mean, no worries. I really thought I'm- there'd be a lot of people that wanted to talk about. It. I want to talk hey. about this with somebody who cares about it, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people don't care. Maybe they're cool with Epic Games Store. I am, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I might, if, if no one else calls in later, there's another topics I'm more interested in, but I thought I'd just give my two cents for this Thanks one. for bailing me out, Cody. You're the man. Dan, not Cody.
0: <laughs> oh, your uh, name? Oh, it's Daniel McAndrew. Ooh. When the call first happened, it said Cody up there. That was Daniel. All right. My apologies. All right. I'm going to give you guys five or 10 seconds to call in about this topic. And if not, we're going to move on um again really shocked that none of you guys want to discuss this because a lot of you guys have been flaring off on Epic's games epic game store for a while now all right we got a new call hi and welcome to today's high score who do we have on the phone i'm going to start asking now before i assume oh we just lost them in fact we just lost skype for some reason all right, whoever that was, call back in. I don't know why my Skype just closed. I certainly didn't close it. All right, we're back. So whoever just called in, give us a call back. Um, and, I, you know, maybe I'm not that surprised that no one wants to discuss this because I don't think it's a big deal. I just know that the PC gamers on Sifted have been flaring off about this for, like, six months And uh, we haven't done this show in this whole time, and with this new information coming from Epic Game Store, I thought maybe people would want to discuss it. Uh, And again, whoever just called in and got dropped, uh, call back, and we'll get you on the show. There we go. Let's see if it works this time. Hello, and welcome to today's high score. Who do we have? Hello? Hello? Uh, their mic must not be working. They're there, but we're not getting any audio. Okay, we that call. Maybe try again. It looks like that was Snub Barracuda trying to call in. And again, this show doesn't happen unless you guys participate. So I'll give it five more seconds. If they don't call back. We'll move on. Hope you guys are having a good weekend playing games. I'm still playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. I do think I am at like the last battle in the game. And I have completely walked through the last like 30 or 40 minutes of that game. All right, let's try again. This looks like it is Snub Barracuda. Hello and welcome to today's high score. Who do we have on the phone? Their mic is not working. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think he's trying to call, but your mic's not working. So we're just gonna move on. We'll go to our next topic. So, gaming addiction. We talked about this on Game Face um, after the World Health Organization decided that gaming addiction was going to be classified as a disease. And Matt and I were not happy about this. I admitted that maybe I might have a gaming addiction problem. <laughs> Matt said no right away. Um, but I don't know if you guys noticed or not. Like he, like a month or so later, he came back on the show. And he, he gave an example in his life. Unsolicited. He gave an example in his life where he proved to himself that he was not addicted to gaming. Which to me signified that after he left our discussion, he started thinking to himself, "Hey, maybe I am a gaming addict." Uh, and continued thinking about it to the point where weeks later, he found proof for himself that he felt he wasn't a gaming addict. And I didn't say anything when he brought it up on the show at the time, but like that was what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, so you've been thinking about it. because when we first talked about it, it was an open and shut case. No question. He was not addicted to games, but I think once he left and started thinking about it, he was like, hmm, maybe I am exhibiting some behaviors. Uh, The episode of Real Sports that covered gaming addiction is running right now on HBO. So if you want to watch it on HBO, you can. I'm sure it's on HBO HBO Go and HBO Now as well if you want to check it out there. It's on Sifted. It's on YouTube. It's all around. And I always had a high opinion of real sports. And I'm a big sports guy. I know a lot about sports, not just the sports that I really like, like football or hockey. I know a lot about sports in general. And when I watch that show, usually I feel like it does a good job of presenting both sides of everything, if it can. Now, sometimes it will go to people to get comment, and those people will just refuse to participate. And in that case, you can't really fault the producers of the show. This was different, though. So it's about... I'm guessing it's like a 10-minute segment, maybe a little longer. And most of the interviews that it does with uh, people on the show are parents of addicted gamers, addicted gamers who have already admitted that they they have a problem. And then they talk to, I want to get his name correct here, Stanley Pierre-Louis of the ESA. He is the new ESA president. And that's it. That's the only person they spoke to that stood on the other side and said, you know what, gaming isn't an addiction. It's a parenting issue. It's a self-control issue. The problem is he never expressed those points. He never said like, hey, maybe parents shouldn't be using video games as a surrogate babysitter. Um, He never said that, hey, maybe some of these people who are gaming addicts lacked self-control and act on impulse, which is something people do all on their own, without any outside stimuli. Instead, he decided to focus on the fact that the ESA and the gaming industry focuses on self-regulation. Now that's that's a fine talking point. That's something that should have been brought up, undoubtedly. But when he asked when he asked him what kind of self-regulation you're doing, I mean, lowest hanging fruit right there is the ESRB and video game ratings. He does not bring up the ESRB. He acted cagey during the interview. There were questions that they asked him that where he gave kind of like a sly face and basically like the you got me face and I'm not going to respond. He did terrible. And I've heard so many good things about him, not just from Pactor who loves the guy, but from almost everyone who's worked with him. So... To me, they could have found tons. They could have talked to games journalists. They could have talked to the EIC of Kotaku or the EIC of IGN. They could have talked to Pear from IGN, someone who's been in this business for like 30 years. They could have talked to me. I've been in the business for 25 years, but they didn't. They didn't talk to anyone like us. They talked to, again, the head of the ESA, which you would think if you're not in the games industry and you want to do a story on the games industry, that that might be the only person you need to talk to. So, again, I can kind of understand the producer's perspective on that. Um, But it was terribly slanted. So they, they talked to a gaming addict who said that he had got to his breaking point where he was going to commit suicide all because of his gaming addiction. Didn't have anything to do with anything else. Nothing else going on in his life. Nothing to do with his significant other. He didn't lose his job. He didn't get kicked out of school. Nothing in his real life, he said, impacted his gaming addiction and made him addicted to games. He blamed it all on the games. There's even a section of the story where they go into a casino. And this, to me was the part of the story, the feature that made the gaming industry look the worst. Because what they did was they took footage of slot machines and then basically just superimposed it over top of footage of loot crates being revealed. And they look the same. Because a lot of the loot crate screens, they have like three things and there were three bars on the machine in the casino. And I mean, it looked like gambling for kids and to me i think if you're an advocate of the other side that was probably the most compelling part of the mini documentary uh the guy who was addicted to gaming who blamed it on nothing but gaming said that (laughs) games are designed to make you want to keep playing them duh what product that is manufactured by any company in the world is not designed to make you want to use it more or use more of it. Even toothpaste. So watch a toothpaste commercial sometime and look at how much toothpaste they put on the toothbrush. Basically, basically signifying to you, this is how much toothpaste you're supposed to use every time you brush your teeth. It's like one twentieth of the tube, so all industries do this. They all try to market their products, design their products, advertise their products in a way to get you to buy them as much as possible and use them as much as possible. So games are no different in that way. Here's the craziest thing from that, from that documentary though, is there are recovery centers for gaming addicts, not just the crazy ones in Korea, and there are crazy ones there, They showed one where a guy uses shock therapy on a person's brain to reprogram their brain to not want to play video games. That's in Korea. And you've probably read stories about that on Sifted. You've seen stuff about that on the internet. The one in America is just like a drug rehab place. It's out in the woods on this lake in idyllic landscapes, and people get together for group meetings. Um, and where they share their feeling, like they didn't have any of that stuff in the documentary. I have a feeling because it's just so absurd. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine feeling sympathy for someone sitting there crying because they played too much Call of Duty. It. it I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it is. The crazy part about those rehabilitation centers, <laughs> rehabilitation centers, is that it costs fifty thousand dollars a month. It's a. Scam, not just a scam. It's a scam where the people who are perpetrating it are literally making millions of dollars. They have, they said they have a waiting list for that place for months, and the people who are in there were like, "Oh, I waited for like months. I'm so glad I finally got in here." Here's what I think. I think all these people have no self-control whatsoever, and they're blaming it on video games. There are some people who are just obsessive compulsive. It's OCD. It's a it's something that you're diagnosed with. It's real. And OCDs can be for anything. There's people who are OCD about doorknobs. And before they touch a doorknob, they have to spin a full circle before they feel okay touching the doorknob. People can get their OCDs over anything. So yeah, do I believe that someone who already has OCD Would become an insane gaming addict if they get into video games? Absolutely. But nobody blames the doorknob when someone's obsessed with doorknobs for their OCD. Why are they blaming video games? Get at me. Get in on this conversation. I know this is something you guys are passionate about. Give me a call at Sifted Games on Skype. Are any of you addicted to games? Are any of you willing to do what I did and at least half-heartedly admit That you're addicted to video games. Have you ever stopped and really thought about how much you play games? That's what I did when we talked about it on Game Face. I was like, wait a minute. Wow. And I do have an out kind of because this is my job. It's my job to talk about video games. I have to play video games so we can do Game Face and I can do this show and I don't sound like an idiot. I know what I'm talking about. I have to play the game. So I have an excuse, an out. But even with that, I was willing to accept that probably on some level, I'm kind of addicted to video games. And the thing about addiction is, is addiction something that's the fault of what you're addicted to, or is it your fault? And are all addictions the same? Because there are some addictions that physically make you addicted. Cocaine, physically addictive. If you do it enough, You get hooked on it. Your body gets hooked on it. And if you don't do it, you have some form of withdrawal. Heroin. If you do heroin and you try to come down off heroin, you get deathly sick. You feel like you're going to die. It's like a week of detox from heroin. Those are addictive drugs. That's one kind of addiction. Then there's mental addiction, where you think you're addicted to something. Or mentally, you can't get over the hurdle of obsessively doing something. Um, And that's games. Games aren't physically addictive. And then there's kind of a third angle, which is confusing addiction with just really liking to do something. It's like my mother-in-law, she likes to quilt. She quilts all the time because she loves it. Is she addicted to quilting or does she just love quilting? There's all kinds of gray areas here with this discussion. Again, give me a call at stifted games on skype again i can't do the show without you guys if you don't call in we're gonna shut her down i can't just sit here and babble by myself for two hours i could all right we got a call let's see if it works this time hi welcome to
2: today's high score are you there shane how you doing man sorry sorry about earlier having some technical technical difficulties over here totally all right who is this this is Snub, Barracuda. What's up, Snubbaracuda? How fan. are you doing, man? <laughs> Not too bad, man. How you been?
0: I've been pretty good. It's been crazy the last month since we got in here, setting everything up, getting in the groove, getting stupid, this show up and going again, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise,
2: pretty good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So I want to chime in a little bit about the game addiction thing. Okay. And um, I kind of agree with you a lot. I'm, I would definitely consider myself a game addict, actually. So you um, are
0: willing to admit, at least on some level, the games, right. the games themselves
2: are compelling you to keep doing it. Well, I mean, yeah, they're fun. I'm, ad- I'm addicted to food because food's good. Tastes good, I'm yeah. I'm addicted to, like, I- I'm an addictive personality. That's just the kind of person I am. If I decide to do something or I like something, I, I kind of overdo it sometimes. It's just, that's just just how I am. So you do <laughs> that, what other no things exception.
0: do you do that with? You don't have to get too personal, but what other well, you know, kind of innocuous things? Everything. Smoke,
2: drink. Oh, really? <laughs> I've cut down. I, I, Are you hungover this morning? When I decide. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not. No. I don't really get hangover, hangovers. I don't know why. I because guess you I drink so myself. much. <laughs> that and the discipline. I know my limits and I know my pace. So Fair enough. I could stay drunk pretty much and not have a hangover somehow. You're a lucky man. <laughs> lucky dude. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's just my personality and kind of just how I am with everything. I don't blame the game and, like... It's just anything. Like you, you can. There's a fine line between doing something you enjoy and like doing something you're addicted to, or whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't know where to draw that line. Am I addicted? Is it something that maybe could cause withdrawal symptoms or make me unhappy or something like I would be at work and can't wait to get home and play a video game or something? But I think that's just. It's just because behavior. you okay. like to play. That you're enjoying playing the game, right? Exactly. Uh, it's a very fine line. Trying to draw that line between a disorder and just living life <laughs> i guess yeah, I, so. I think where the line is drawn is are you doing it because you're enjoying it or are you
0: doing it because you feel like you have to
2: yeah isn't that I what just, an, addic-
0: an addiction is your your mind telling you that you have to do it not that you want
2: to do it but you have to do it i don't know that i can distinguish the two to be honest really <laughs> maybe that's my issue <laughs> I, we're I here for you I'd let's do a therapy session something that you're doing. And uh, like disregarding your life or your health or something like that at the detriment of something else. That's how I've always thought of it. Like smoking, like you're killing yourself over something you, your brain knows that is stupid, but you do it anyways because you're physically, mentally addicted. Now,
0: smoking is physically addictive. That's a big right. difference. I mean literally habit. nicotine Habits. is one of the most addictive, addictive drugs on the planet.
2: Yeah, I started smoking when I was like 12 years old, so I was kind of an oh, idiot. Oh, wow.
0: How tall I, are you?
2: <laughs> uh, 5'11". <laughs> I'm,
0: j- I'm joking because I don't know. I'm sure they told yeah, you when you were young sure that me. if you I'm smoked, sure you were,
2: your growth was going to be stunted, right? Well, <laughs> Most of the f- other friends that were bad like me and <laughs> smoked and stuff at a young age, most of them did seem like they came out smaller than all their family members. Really? So. Interesting. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> That's so, uh, kind of crazy. <laughs>
0: I, I have I not know, seen but, that that uh, people who I knew who started smoking in their
2: teens are smaller than other friends, well, but it's kind of like the gateway thing. though. they didn't just smoke cigarettes; they smoked pot, drink alcohol, right? Like, do whatever they wanted. So yeah, I'm sure there's some mix of things. I don't know necessarily it was cigarettes. Maybe it's just lifestyle choices. <laughs> I
0: yeah, know. I mean cigarettes are physically addictive and crazy addictive. Definitely. So. You know, I wouldn't say that anybody who is quote unquote addicted to cigarettes are weak mentally. Like, I just think that that's what happened to human beings when they consume
2: nicotine. Yeah, those are it's a kind of a tricky subject because they're like engineered to be as addictive as possible without doing anything for you. Yeah, there's definitely like I think a huge part of it's the habit, the mental side of it. Like when you're trying to quit, it took me I tried to quit probably 15 times before it finally took and so you've quit now. Uh, you don't smoke. Anymore. Oh, yeah. It's been three and a half, four years now. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate how it. How did you quit? Um, actually, they legalized pot and all this stuff in Colorado. And I, I would vape or something every now and then when I would get an inkling because that habit just wanted to put something to your mouth and having like sensation of things going down your esophagus into your throat. Into that your lungs. repetitive like the, movement, yeah. all
0: of it. It is crazy like how your body a, almost gets addicted to stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Like every the the habit of it, just doing it, like when I'm sitting idle and I have nothing to do, it's like my it's just something to do. My brain is attached to that, plus the feelings of it, you know, like I was saying, like sensations down my esophagus and stuff, like almost miss that feeling. Yeah. So Do you think gaming has an
0: equivalent to that? Where there it's just the feeling of having the controller in your hand and using the buttons and the sticks. Maybe. I never really thought about it, but maybe There is something to it. if you're a
2: PC gamer or if you're a mobile or PC gamer, maybe just doing the Twitter thing, you're still getting your dopamine kick and everything. And (laughs) you're still actually on your device. Now,
0: we're looking at B-roll right now of eSports athletes. How do you approach them with this topic? Are they gaming addicts? Because I'm guessing in their minds they're saying, I have to do this. Because they kind of have the cop-out that I have, which is it's my job. That's what I was going to
2: say. Yeah, similar situation as you. It's like it's to be profitable or it's, you know, at least working towards profit. So it's their mind is actually telling them that they should. It's not telling them they shouldn't. It's the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, I think it's telling them that they have to if they don't want right. to lose their job. I mean, the other it's, thing, too, is all the data on esports athletes. I mean, basically, after you're 22, your career's like over. So, yeah, you got to yeah. strike while the iron's your... hot.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So and it's what, weird that they don't have a conflict in their mind. There's no, there's no mental conflict there. It's just everything says do it. So
0: I think they just have the eye on the prize, honestly. And they're young. When you're young, you don't think about addiction.
2: <laughs> you're like, It's a new world, too. You're like, that's like something my crazy right?
0: uncle has to worry about. I don't have to worry about addiction. <laughs> Especially like video games. Like yeah. Video
2: games are a mean to being a superstar and possibly having the happiest life you could imagine. I mean, it could be that they're more addicted to fame than
0: anything else.
2: Yeah, if anything, it's just the whole, uh, the whole little, uh, you know, popularity contest of the world nowadays. Maybe if anything, that's more. But they just it's a, it's a chance, like, if you could play baseball really good, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my body's really wore out from playing all this professional baseball. Maybe I should stop. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for calling in, man. Thanks for bailing me out. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. So like I said, sorry about the Steam thing. I tried to call in and my Skype broke like three times in a row. Thank you for following up and calling back. No problem, man. Have a a
0: good day. Um, Another thing today when I was preparing for this show, and he kind of started talking about it, was the addiction to fame. Um I think narcissism. The drive for notoriety, the drive to be noticed, the drive to not feel insignificant can drive addiction too. Um, today I was thinking about it. Like People always ask me, you know, what's the best thing I can do to become a games journalist? What do I need to do to break in as a games journalist? What I realized today is that really all you need to do is get a big social media following. Um, if you look at a lot of the recent hires at some of the bigger gaming sites – they're basically people who have no journalism experience and just have a ton of followers on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so in some ways, that addiction, the, the addiction uh, for likes, the addiction for followers can actually pay huge dividends for you in your life in 2019. And it's not just games journalism. It's everything. Um, all media anyway. Everyone's looking for people who have the most followers because... I think they feel like they can train people up and get them to do the job ultimately, but they bring something that other people can't bring, which is a built-in audience. Um, And we'll see what the long-term implications of that are, if that affects journalism at large, not just games journalism, but just journalism in general. Uh, Because really the drive is to reward people who flourish on sort of these narcissistic platforms where they sit – and talk about themselves all day or show or share pictures of themselves all day or say, hey, look at what I'm doing right now all day. Um, there's rewards for that. All right, we have a call coming in. Let's see who this is. Hi, and welcome to today's high score. Who do we have on the phone?
3: Uh, this is Lee.
0: Lee. Thanks for calling back, brother.
3: Yeah, no problem.
0: You were great last week on the show, man. Thanks for calling uh, back.
3: I appreciate it. I was just listening and I don't know. I I can't really agree. I I don't think it's very rare for someone to actually be addicted to something. I would say they could be compulsive. Yeah. You know, I mean, obsessive
0: it, compulsive.
3: Right, like it's normal for I mean, cuz I mean, if you think you want to look at it that way. I mean, like you you live in a society that is pushing images at you all the time. Like you could say, Well people are addicted to sex, but in general, that's just a big part of our drive, right? Just psychologically. It's just a part of our drive. You mean sex is? Right, right. I'm just oh, physiology. As an yeah, example. For right, sure. Right, right. Right. You know, like we, we, we eat all the time. You know, are we addicted to food? I'm like, Well, not really. Like this is a part of life, you know, and it's the same thing. Like People want to entertain themselves. I mean, I don't I don't really get the the big deal, you know.
0: So you don't think gaming addiction is real?
3: I think I I think with anything you're gonna be able to find some cases of anything, right? Like if you're really looking for it. But it's not a norm. It's like it's overrepresented. You know, it's and that's what I hate a lot that uh happens in most kinds of news. It's not a, whether I think it's left or right. Like, they kind of represent what they want to represent, right? Like, you know, they always go find the dumb guy to represent a certain group to make that group look dumb. You know, they never want to go talk to the person that's educated, and there's tons of them around. Like, let's just find the dumbest looking person we can find, right? And I think that's kind of what they do in the industry for certain things. Like, it's either an industry person that nobody really cares about what they think. Or they try to find a dumb person. You know, they're not gonna find the average gamer, which is somebody that has a job. You know, they have to go to work and they have family and life as usual. Like that's not the kind of person they're really looking for because they want to push a narrative. Right. No,
0: you're right, and I I would agree with that. I think it depends on the outlet, but there are a lot of outlets that definitely have agendas, and you're right. They're gonna try to find the people to talk to that support their agenda. It does, I think Real Sports confuses me in that way, though, this particular segment that Real Sports did, because, again, I watch the show every week, and it does feel like it's usually very even-keeled. But in this case, it just feels like they just didn't do their homework and just went for the lowest-hanging fruit, and they're like, hey, this guy will talk to us, and I'm on a deadline, so... We'll take what we can get in this amount of time that I have, and we're not going to really dig. Because, look, they wouldn't have to work very hard to find someone smart and articulate to talk about this from our space. It's just not that hard. You can go on Twitch any night, find the guy who has 100,000 viewers, and contact him. Like, it's not hard at all. So I was really disappointed to see uh, that Real Sports handled it in this way. Um, but again, like, I don't know that I'm 100% sure that gaming isn't addictive um, because I feel like I do have this compulsion at times where it's like if I have a free moment, I'm like, what do I got to play? And then I boot up my console, and next thing I know, I'm playing for another two or three hours. Like, I just I – I've, got, I've gotten to the point where I've conditioned myself that I need to spend all my free time playing games that it's not even an option to kind of do some other things anymore, and again, I'm, you know, talk, I'm talking about myself, so I'm not putting that on someone else.
3: No, no, I understand, but I'm going to tell you, I think, you, you, the reason I say you're kind of judging yourself harshly, so once you, once you make a civilization, right, the whole point of a civilization is to make things easier so you have more time to do stuff, so then you start saying, what am I going to do with myself, right? Yeah. So I tell people, you know, if you want to go back in time, you're going to find people were looking at the stars and mapping the stars. Why? Because they just didn't have anything to do once they didn't have to hunt (laughs) around for food. Well, thank God they did,
0: but you're right, yeah.
3: Right, and so it's the same thing now. I tell people, like, I mean, like, really think about it. Like, what do you do with yourself? Like, I've always said this, like, if the world becomes automated, we automate mostly everything. We have robots to service. Like, what are we going to do with ourselves?
0: Yeah. Honestly, I think my my wife, and I hope she's not watching this, but I think my... (laughs) I think my wife has kind of reached that point. She works really hard and she works a lot of hours. And I think because of how much she dedicates herself to her job that she's kind of closed herself off to a lot of other things in life. And then when she does have time free to herself, like she doesn't, I don't feel like she knows what to do with herself because she's like, I never have free time and now I have it. And I think honestly, she spends most of it just like relaxing because she works so much, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to ever state absolutes about human beings because everyone is so different. They've all come from different backgrounds. They all have different experiences with different things. One person can experience something on the same day as somebody else. And you talk to those two people and they'll have two completely different explanations of what, what just happened. And that's all based upon their experiences and the person that they are. So I always kind of recoil when people try to pigeonhole all of humanity or all one group of people into kind of one corner and say this is the way they are and this is why they're the way they are. I'm, I'm really nervous about about doing that type of stuff.
3: Right, I would say that, you know, like you, there's some general statements you can make like people are more obsessed with themselves now. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. because we have more time to ourselves. So I go, well, yeah, that's true. But to say that drives us to be, I don't know, more violent or it drives us to not care about each other. I'm like, well, I mean, really?
0: I saw, I can't remember where I saw it last night, but I was watching something. Someone was talking about how social media makes people feel worthless because most of us have really boring lives. I have a pretty boring life, like you guys see most of the fun stuff I do, I'm on camera when I'm doing the fun stuff in my life typically, so you guys see all of it, when you guys don't see me, I'm just grinding away, working on site related stuff, or just taking care of life stuff. That's the way most people's lives are. Most people aren't in the Caribbean one weekend and then in Fort Lauderdale the next weekend and then in Los Angeles. That's not life. Most people have nine to five jobs. They have to work at least 40 hours a week. They get like 10 days of vacation a year. And there's a lot of people on social media where it, it seems like they view their their presence on social media as a job where they're supposed to make it look like they have the best life. And well, you know,
3: I, w- I I would like to give one just one quick example. Like, let's say you were going to compare Americans to Europeans, uh-huh. right? It's very similar civilizations. However, Europeans get more off time. Yep. So they play games just as much as we do. Yep. But... Their communities are closer-knit because they get more time off. To spend with each
0: other, you're right. Yeah.
3: Right, so I tell people, I'm like, but they're, what, second in game sales in the world? Yeah. So I'm like, so it doesn't stop them from doing things. I tell people, like, you know, our infrastructure doesn't allow you to travel like you can in Europe. And you don't get the time off like you do in Europe. So I tell people, so, yeah, it makes it seem a little worse. But in reality... Not much of a difference, you know.
0: That's a really good point, Lee. Actually, um, because think about Labor Day is coming up, and Labor Day and weekend and like long weekends like that, that tends to be where the most people go out and interact with other human beings. Labor Day is people go to cookouts at other people's houses. Those are generally the most memorable times of the year for most people when they're interacting with other human beings. But I feel like how technology has advanced in our society over the last 10 years, you don't have to go anywhere anymore. You don't have to go anywhere for anything. Everything can be delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, Just those simple human interactions of going to the grocery store or going shopping or any of those mundane things that we used to do, I think we don't appreciate the value of that stuff, or at least we didn't. As much as we should have, because I agree with you. I think the lack of human interaction might be the root of all the problems.
3: Right, because you know, you'll have people that. Well, always, you know, it's like every generation. There's something they're against that the uh, younger people are doing, and right. they say it's destroying them. You know, it's yep. it's it's too much rock and roll. You know, it's destroying them, or you know, it's uh those Dungeons and Dragon books. It's, it's causing them to worship the devil. It's heavy metal music. You know, it's yep. like it's nonsense. I tell people the reason that people do things is because they want to feel alive like yep. you can sit down at your video game cuz i mean like face it you've been at work most of the day what time and I, i've told people this a lot of time if you really look at how much time you have in a day right when you i don't know you work 8 hours and you, you take
0: your commute out and right, eating right. food all that stuff
3: right and you get you know 6 8 hours of sleep i tell people well it's not that you're a horrible parent or you're a horrible uh you know husband or wife i tell people like what time do you have to spend with each other? Yeah. And it's so true. I tell My people, wife and
0: I get about an hour and a half every night. That's about right. it. So,
3: and because you're so busy, yeah. you know, I, I tell people, I say, because you're so busy, when you actually have some time, it seems like, oh, my God, what, what am I going to do with myself? And, you know, I've heard because I've heard that same argument that they're trying to use for games a lot with like people when they're getting divorces and stuff. And I'm telling yeah. people a lot of times, like you're beating up on yourself. Like you're just, you're not a bad person. You don't have time. Our society doesn't respect your time.
0: You're right. My wife was talking to me last night. Actually, we had the discussion about this cause she kind of watched that documentary with me. And she, she works for a huge corporation. I'm not going to say which one, but she works for a really big company and where she works It's four gigantic buildings with a hole in the middle. And then they use that hole in the middle for like community events or whatever. She said on yesterday, on Friday, she looked down from her office and her building, her company had paid for this private dancing thing where people come in and they put on headphones and they dance next to people listening to different music from the people next to them with headphones on. It's Dancing by yourself around other people. It is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard of. I was just, but it also kind of encapsulates this tech, this generation of tech raised people who are now becoming adults. They've been isolated their entire lives because they don't have to go out and do anything to the point where they would rather on their lunch break go down into this weird courtyard, put on headphones, and dance by themselves with other people dancing by themselves, Then actually just go out to, like, a club and hear some good music and dance with other people. Like, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't compute for me. Again, I'm from another generation, and I'm also from, you know, I'm from the dance music scene. And that, to me, was all about face-to-face interaction with humans while you dance. Watching someone else express themselves to music while you do the same and kind of vibing off of each other if i feel like all that kind of stuff has just been lost
3: you know it's like they say about the mental health issues i tell people the reason that we have the mental health issues is the same thing because i tell people like you're you're like you're caught in a a cage you can't go do anything so you want to feel alive you need something to do I tell people, like, if I could, I don't know, if we could blow up all the power plants in America, you know, people wouldn't go nuts like people make it seem like. I'm like, like, find them in 90 days. Some would. I
0: think some would.
3: Well, well, right, maybe, like, I mean, from lack of resources. But I'm saying, but those people that had resources, they just turn into regular people. I'm like, because they didn't have the ability to actually do anything else before. So it'll force some interaction, but I don't think it's that they didn't want to interact like – they can't interact. Like, Their life is built on a 40-hour work week. I, I think it's overkill. I've always said it's overkill.
0: Yeah, I wish I lived in Europe. <laughs> I would like to get six weeks of paid vacation every year as mandated by the government. I mean, a lot of people don't get any vacation at all. They're working three jobs at minimum wage just to make it, and they don't get paid vacation at all, and they're just on this squirrel wheel It's crazy what's kind of happened, but
3: Which is which is why you never see Europeans really wanting to immigrate to America. Notice that.
0: Why would they? Why would they move (laughs) somewhere where they get no vacation, no health care? They know already it's cutthroat here. It's like survival of the fittest. Like why why would anybody move here? Like it would make no sense whatsoever. I totally get it. You're right though. That's a good point. Lee, another great call, man. Thank you so much for calling in. That's Two weeks in a row, you've knocked it out of the park with your calls. So thank you so much, man.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Yep. Have a good weekend, brother. All right. Bye. Lee. We got to start handing out, like, all-star awards for this show. In fact, we do have some sound effects that we can use to, uh, to reward people. And I'm going to give Lee a... <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Like I said, we just want one or two calls on each topic. We're going to discuss next... Halo Infinite. So, to me, Halo Infinite was in trouble before this even happened. (laughs) So, I know some Halo fans are totally cool with the direction Halo has gone in the last couple installments. I am not. To me, it went from one of the premier fighting franchises in the industry to a franchise fighting for relevancy that's just kind of living on its name there was nothing innovative or groundbreaking about the last two Halo games. Um, the best thing I can pluck out of both of them are rec packs. The way they handled their microtransactions. I mean, that's the best thing I can say about the last two Halo games. The multiplayer was solid. The campaigns to me were kind of trash. But there was nothing really groundbreaking about them. And I'm sure you guys all know, Halo is kind of what set console shooter shooters off. It's what made console shooters the biggest genre in the industry, the best-selling genre in the industry anyway. Um, obviously, your mileage will vary with that. I know a lot of you guys don't play shooters at all. But Halo was the trailblazer. I think to most people it was a trailblazer. To me, not so much because I played a game called Star Siege Tribes for years before I ever played Halo. So I had kind of been playing multiplayer-focused shooters for a while. But for the average person, if you talk to them about What made shooters big, they're going to name one of two games. They're either going to say Halo, or they're going to say Goldeneye. It's one or the other. And it's sad to see Halo in the state that it's in right now. Um, And it doesn't help when you're about to enter the most crucial part of the development process, where you take all these parts that you've created and bring them together into a satisfying whole and your creative director it leaves. This doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You, Creative directors on big-budget, huge AAA games don't leave the project when it's about to enter crunch. It just... I'm sure people get angry at each other, and they want to quit, or they want to leave. I don't know if you guys saw the documentary for For Honor, where kind of the figurehead of the game over the course of the game's development just gets shoved further and further away from the actual development of the game until he got to the point where he didn't even have anything to do anymore. Still, he came to work every day, if only for moral support. But this guy working on Halo Infinite had decided he had enough, and he just bailed. He just left. Um, They did promote someone someone from within to uh, take over his duties, and I'm assuming that that person has been in on a lot of the conversation and kind of knows the roadmap. But to me, this shows that there's big problems going on in Haloville right now. We have a call. We have someone who wants to talk about Halo. Hi, and welcome to today's high score. Who do we have on the phone?
4: Hey, Shane. How's it going? This is Jason.
0: Hey, Jason. What's going on, man? You having a good Saturday?
4: Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. That's what I uh, want to hear. I wanted to talk about Halo Infinite. This seems like a pretty big deal to me. It's a huge deal. I mean, uh, <clears throat> this is going to be a huge marquee title for their launch for the Scarlet. In, and it's in title, trouble. If this to knock it out of the park, Yep. Uh, I don't see what Xbox has to really rely on.
0: It. Yeah, I mean, another <laughs> Forza... Uh, They can't get Gear 6 out in that amount of time. So Forza Motorsport, another Forza Horizon. They do have all these studios that they just bought, which will pay dividends a little further down the road. My guess is year two of the next Xbox is when you'll start seeing all the stuff from those new studios kind of being a part of the Xbox ecosystem. But you're right. You need a strong launch for this console.
4: This just seems like more of the same. They've been having quality issues with the first-party titles and this doesn't bode well for fixing that.
0: How do you feel about Halo in
4: 2019? I was pretty excited about it. About uh, Infinite? It seemed like yeah, it seemed like they were talking about, you know, possibly adding RPG elements to it or light RPG elements. I figured they'd probably go halfway to what the Destiny did. No right. more than just a linear shooter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think they'll find a happy medium because I think what they saw was hey the the Bungie fans didn't really embrace Destiny as much as people thought they would.
4: No, but that seems like a hard you know division 2 has had problems with that anthem. That seems that's a tough tough genre to nail. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the loot. Yeah, I mean, Dest, you know, destiny's doing better now, but is the
0: genre hard to nail, or is it the monetization of the genre that's hard yeah, to nail?
4: Yeah, probably. That's probably more. Yeah, what it is, really.
0: And that's something we don't care about. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the new Call of Duty, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, has no microtransactions.
4: They took them out. Well, uh, Oh, okay, the new one. Yeah, I was going to say the new Black Ops stuff. Oh, Black Ops 4 has them. It has, ton of, t- has tons, them. <laughs> tons of them. <laughs> yeah, tons of them. Loaded up, yeah, but yeah. the
0: new one that's coming out this year, they took out all the DLC. You don't have to pay for any DLC or map packs. No microtransactions for cosmetics. It's just you buy the game, and they keep updating it, and you get it all for free. I mean, its I don't think it's hard to figure out the monetization part of it either. Just don't do it at all.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I i don't know. It uh This just goes back to what they've been doing with first party. This whole, this whole gen, it's been. It's been a disaster. Okay. At best. And mostly. At best. Not great. Not great. Yeah. You know. I mean, they're still living on Sea of Thieves. And they launched that. That that was bare bones. Like me and you could have walked in the studio and seen like, okay, what are you guys shipping here? You got beautiful water and
0: yeah that's really it what's gonna compel me what's the loop that's gonna keep me playing your what to go back to the last topic what's gonna make me addicted to your game
4: <laughs> yeah in my, is there anybody going around to these studios like seeing the games and okay this is good to ship let's ship this
0: i mean that's phil spencer's job and yeah. uh, Matt Booty, who we talked about and, and on Game we, Face, we, we've
4: just heard for years and years it's the same thing like, oh, we know first party's a problem, we got to do better. And, and it's, it's, like, it's like their yearly statements, but yet we keep getting more. They never the fix it, but it. Look, know, they, I will they, say they, this. They said, oh, we, they, we bought studios, but if you, if you open a restaurant and they said, oh, you're shane, your food's really bad, oh, don't worry, I added 10 more dishes. Well, that doesn't make the food quality better. It just nope. gives us more food. <laughs> it you
0: means know? that maybe the food gets better later, but I don't care because I'm at the restaurant right
4: now. Yeah, yeah. And look, this isn't a bashing Xbox uh, thing, but... It's easy to uh, do, because do because they right have, now. Game <laughs> Pass, Pass is incredible. The X is incredible. But they've got to nail this first-party studio situation here.
0: They do, particularly. The stakes are high right now. I mean, they have a huge launch coming up in,
4: like, a year because I mean, it's Sony Sony's been quiet for like I don't know, it feels like the past year. And it really you know, has not, since not last doing, E3. Just, really, they're not just sitting on their bus. You know, when they come, when they start, you know, announcing stuff, you know, it's gonna it's gonna blow people away. Oh
0: yeah, because that's why we're not seeing anything from Sony right now. Because all the nope, studios, just,
4: they don't have to do anything. They don't nope. have to do anything. No, nope.
0: they also have like all the third party stuff. They have such a huge installed base that. They can put it on autopilot for the last 18 months of a console cycle and still come out the other end smelling like roses. And Microsoft yeah. simply can't do that.
4: No. Yeah, I, I, personally, even if Halo Infinite was really good or is going to be really good, I, I still don't know about the Scarlet. I think it's going to have a hard time selling what the Xbox One uh, sales I agree are.
0: because it's at like 30 or 40 million, and that's an estimate because Microsoft stopped giving us sales numbers. But
4: yeah,
0: most accounts say it's anywhere from 30 to 40 million at this point. And I agree. I don't know if you watched the latest Pactor Factor, but Pactor thinks that the next generation of consoles is going to sell about half as much.
4: as oh, probably because you have to imagine they're going to launch it both at minimum 500. Yep. And are people going to be ready to just plunk down 500? You know it that's without the whole tariff situation probably. Yep. 500.
0: Yep. And you're so, right, it could be more. If the yeah. if the tariffs don't get pulled back, they could be 6 650 something like that. How yeah. did you feel about Halo 4 and 5?
4: Loved 4 and 5, I that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. I sold my Xbox. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did buy one back when they bought the X. Oh, okay. And so Are you playing all your third you party just, stuff on can, X now? You know, it depends. It depends on the quality. If I've got friends, because I have a lot of friends at the PlayStation side, too, it depends on who buys, where, where, where my friends are buying the game at. But I've been playing Red Dead on the X, and that looks amazing. Oh, yeah.
0: It almost looks like a different game.
4: Yeah, but you could just tell with how they've handled the Halo franchise just in itself in this generation, the Master Chief Collection was a complete debacle. Yeah, I mean, it, it really it was. The online, the online didn't work for what, literally six weeks after it launched. I mean, they're still not. They still don't really have it
0: nailed, right? Like the PC version is still. There's problems with it. I think.
4: Yep. I mean. And now you know they're dang, all the. That's a long the, time. It just seems like there's a lot of mixed messaging how they want to support. You know, they keep supporting all these different devices and the original Xbox One, and that's why the Halo Reach is still isn't out yet because they're yep. having problems with the original Xbox running on there. And so, yeah, five was. With uh, Master Chief Collection and then Halo Five, being at uh, the story being bad, the online being bare bones, that was like that's enough. They don't they don't care about their biggest franchise. Then,
0: what direction do you think it needs to go with Infinite? What you've heard about it so far, do you think it's going in the right
4: way? They haven't really showed much. I mean, they do need to reboot it. I agree with that. The story got yeah. way too crazy and convoluted, all over the place. And yeah, hard to follow. It, it, yeah, it, it needs it needs a God of War type reboot. Yep. and I feel like they've got it go like a destiny light I, I i was a huge fan of destiny one and two but now that i've got a couple kids they're a little too much involved for me but <laughs> i think they've got to add some kind of yeah it's a little i fired it up the other day i'm like okay yep yeah, that's love the shooting but it's just too much i can't commit to it like it's a job
0: i think the crazy but, part about games now is that when you come back you can be completely lost yep yeah it's like i if you stop playing a game like Destiny 2 for six or eight months and then you boot it up, it doesn't even feel like it's the same game. No, no. It's like, wait a minute. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing now? Like, where am I supposed to go? Like, what's all these new I, menus? Like, they don't really put even tutorials even sure in if, for people who come back.
4: I'm not even sure if, like, Halo and even Gears is the same way. Like if they've gotten, they haven't it sound like they've gotten worse. I just think that everybody else is, is caught up and possibly even surpass them really yeah to where they just haven't innovated really
0: see I, I kind of agree with you like I definitely enjoyed Halo 4 more than Halo 5 but I don't know that Halo 4 is actually the better game I think what it was is that my tolerance for what Halo 4 was was a little more generous with the first one and then when the second one came and it was basically a carbon copy of the one prior I think that's where my patience just hit hit the floor
4: yeah, I mean they had a lot of marketing and it, it that was kind of like didn't it wasn't what the game was really. So I think that's where they kind of lost me. The whole like switching back and forth between Locke and Chief. Yeah, that I wish they would just retire Chief and just start new really with someone. So do you think character. you think they should retire Chief? I don't. I that you know instead of playing this back and forth you know in a game like oh we play this guy for a little bit then we play Chief, I feel like that's what they wanted to do. They. Uh, it feels like it was an internal conflict there where we want we wanted to have a new character or an old character, and then they started getting backlash, and then, oh, we got to put him in. It, that's almost what it felt like to me. Yeah.
0: I, I, look, I, I'm, they, a, I'm a Chief like fan. They want, they like, like I do feet. like I Master too. Chief. I
4: too, but eventually you've got to move on, really, don't you? I mean, but you've got to kill I, him first, right? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Yeah, Maybe i actually think reach was probably the best in my opinion one of the best the best campaign that didn't have chief in it
0: yeah a lot of people say that i don't agree with that but i, I or know odsd maybe i think mac i think matt kyle actually reaches his favorite as well but yeah. not for me uh, halo 3 is still my favorite halo
4: yeah but i just it's it's just it's kind of scary seeing the creative director leave oh yeah it's terrifying i mean look yeah. i have I don't like Halo 4
0: or Halo 5. I stuck around in the multiplayer for like a week after I finished the campaign, pretty much in both of them. And so I'm trying to stay positive because this guy did work on both of those games. And so my hope is, and look, I'm not begrudging the guy at all, but my hope is that he was the one behind Halo 4 and Halo 5, and he was fighting against the current. And the rest of the team was like, we're not doing Halo 4 and Halo 5 again. We're doing something different here. And you need to get with the program and become a part of the team and work with us towards this other goal. And he didn't want to, and he bailed. I'm completely making this up, by the way. This is, this is not information I have. This is not – I'm making this up. This is a hypothetical that I'm giving here. But my hope is that he was the problem, and he continued to be the problem – and eventually, it was like a splinter in your thumb, where your body just organically forces it out. Eventually, again, I have no idea if this is the case. I'm just providing a hypothetical.
4: That would have been fine about a year ago, but yeah, like we're yeah. getting down to where it's, yeah, you're right. His ideas, if I if it's crunch time, to, his ideas <laughs> idea already in, yeah, his already idea, ideas already in the game. Yeah, so that's a little uh, yeah. It's a little concerning, for sure. It it, it for sure is, yeah. This is probably Xbox's most important game in, ever in in their franchise, yeah, in the history of their uh, consoles.
0: Yeah, could this really kind of make or break for Microsoft at this point. Um, it really needs Scarlet to be a huge hit. Uh, yes. I, look, I don't think I don't think Microsoft is ever going to close. I mean, I don't want to say ever because look. I mean, Scarlet could come out and completely tank, and then maybe Microsoft has to reevaluate. But I don't think that Xbox is this get-rich-quick scheme that Microsoft has going. And that it's, no. the minute it shows weakness, it's going to bail or it's going to sell it. Like, I think it would just have to have a disastrous generation, which it almost had with Xbox One, let's be honest. It was teetering right there. Um, but I think it would need to just hit rock bottom before Microsoft decided it wasn't worth
4: pursuing anymore. i I think that if you follow like a lot of the big xbox guys on youtube it seems like a lot of them are jumping ship i don't know i think they're losing starting to lose a lot of the hardcore with a lot of the decisions that they're making putting everything everywhere and it's possible you you almost you really almost don't even need to buy an xbox no why would you you it's like if you have
0: a pc right now why would you ever buy an xbox if you have a pc with a decent graphics card
4: why would you buy an xbox and you know you get this this you know this statement that oh, they don't care. they want you to play their games everywhere, but their games aren't what make them the money. the 30, the thirty percent cut from Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, yep. Fortnite, that's what makes them their money. And you need an installed base for that to happen. and so if you're not selling those on an Xbox console, then you're not making all that money.
0: Yeah, because you need an installed base so that you can sell enough so that you make money off the sales. But you also need an installed base so the third-party publishers will actually put their games on your platform. So yep. it's a double-edged sword there that Microsoft is kind of dancing on right now. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not looking good at this point. But, Jason, thank you so much for calling in, man. It was a great call. Oh, thanks. Have a Talk good Saturday. You, you too. Bye. Take care. All right, before we move on, anyone else want to get in on Halo? Are we crazy? Are Jason and I nuts for not being fans or extreme fans of the last couple of Halo games? Do you feel like they're going in the right direction? Do you think that this is just something that 343 needed to do? Hello, and welcome to today's high score. Who do we have on the phone?
5: This is Vincent. Just let me get stuff set up. Vincent, what's going on, man?
0: I'm good. Vincent, for those of you who don't know, works on Sifted. He handles a lot of the curating on the site. He, uh, he also just cut together our top 10 most anticipated games of Gamescom 2019, uh, which you can find right now on the homepage at Sifted. It'll be going up on our YouTube channel here probably on Monday, right before the show kicks off. But welcome to the show, Vincent.
5: Yeah, so I'm not thinking about Halo specifically, but more about the big picture. Okay. Is this that big of a deal? I mean, for all I know, Halo Infinite might be close to done, and they're just holding it for Scarlet. I mean, I think it is close to done, honestly. But I mean, like, it's basically done, and, like, if they pushed it, they could release it this fall if they wanted to, but they want to hold it for Scarlet. I I, like what they did for Breath of the Wild with the Wii U and the Switch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see that. But I think one of the quotes that Microsoft kind of put out into the public was that they don't want to screw over people who bought Xbox One because they've been waiting for that game for a long time. Um, So I don't know how that plays into your theory, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, honestly, the game probably is mostly done, but I would argue that good games turn to great games or game of the year candidates in that last 10 months where everything is polished up, they really focus test the crap out of it, they really test the crap out of it, they iron out all the kinks, they find all the little bumps you need a steady hand while you're doing that to pull the trigger because you're making decisions every day and multiple ones per day that could totally affect whether someone does or does not enjoy the game
5: Sure, but is that the creative director's job or is that like a lead producer's job who they said isn't leaving?
0: Well, it's a a team. So that's why they're called a development team. But the creative director is the one who comes up with the ideas and then he brings them to the rest of the team and they debate them. So if you don't have the person who's coming up with the unique ways to get around uh, bumps in the road that you have during development or a feature that isn't working the way it's supposed to. That when, when you start a feature in game development, and then it goes to the team from the creative director, and then the team works on it, and they come back to the creative director and say, we can't make this work for reasons X, Y, and Z, it's the job of the creative director to then go back to his or her team and say, it's not working. We need to come up with an alternative solution. And then you take that solution back to the team, and then they say whether they can work with that or not. Losing kind of that linchpin in that process, to me, could never be a good thing.
5: I guess that makes sense. So I was thinking that they might be done. And a, this is supposed to be an open world is what all the rumors are saying. Yeah. I thought they would just be more like making sure you don't fall through the rocks in all of the areas and trying to... I thought, I'd assume like most of the features are done at this point.
0: They know, at this point, they'll know what modes are going to be in the game. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're still cutting content from the campaign or adding content to the campaign. They're still deciding what the final multiplayer modes are going to be. They're still figuring out how their monetization strategy is going to work and how that's integrated into the game's design. Um, you're right that all the big parts are mostly finished. The last year you're snapping them together and seeing how they talk to each other. And there are some big, big decisions to be made at that point.
5: Yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose the fact that we still haven't seen gameplay yet is right. a
0: big part of that. Think about that. I mean, the game's now a year out. We still have not seen a frame of gameplay.
5: Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. So I have a story just broke, like, yesterday, today, that the lead producer of Dragon Age 4 just left BioWare. Yeah. Is that bigger or less deal than the creative producer of Halo Infinite leaving now?
0: That's a great question because you're right. Dragon Age right now is in its spec stages. And it's hard to give you a definitive answer on that because every development team kind of does things differently as far as when they're ideating and coming up with concepts. So creative director is always going to have input on that stuff. But when you're first starting the game, it's more of a group effort. So people who had worked on the last Dragon Age are going to be in that meeting. And they're going to say... Okay, we did X, Y, and Z in the last Dragon Age. X worked. Y didn't. Z we cut. So you need those people are valuable because they help you know what's feasible when you're specking out your game. Um, but when it comes time to start coming up with the new ideas and the new stuff that's going to be in the game that wasn't in the prior game, that's where your creative director is really important. So honestly, is it more important they're there in the beginning or the end? Man, probably the beginning, but not by that much, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Vincent. That's a great call, man. You definitely uh, brought up some angles that uh, I hadn't thought of. So thanks for calling yeah. in.
5: Yeah, good. have
0: fun. Have a good one, man.
5: You too.
0: All right. Okay, I'm willing to take one more call on Halo if you got it, but call in right now. Um, if not, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about what probably will be The last topic of today's show we're already at the 90 minute mark this show just flies by and like i said last week i could sit here and talk to you guys about games all day long and in fact maybe someday that'll happen we'll do some kind of a patreon drive or something uh and this will be part of it um i'll never do another patreon drive where i just play games for 24 hours straight uh, just looking at a screen and concentrating for that long, I think, is what really crushed me by the end of it. Um, so if we do do another one, and it's it's possible that we're going to do another one, um, pro- definitely before this year is up. Because, you know, if things don't work out for Sifted, I'm not giving up until I do another Patreon drive. So uh, if we do do another one, it'll be broken up. Like maybe part of the marathon will be Game Face, part of it will be today's high score, part of it will be playing games live. Uh, it'll be a little more fun and exciting, and it'll switch up over the course of the marathon. Okay, so it looks like you guys are done. You said your piece on Halo. Let's move to the last topic of today's high score for this week, and that is early adoption. I hate being the early adopter. I, uh, I always am. I'm always the person who buys stuff on day one. Uh, I'm always the guinea pig. I'm always the person who buys the stuff that breaks early or quickly and then get pissed off that other people buy the one that doesn't break. Uh, But this story relates specifically to Switch. So some of you guys watching probably don't know my whole history with the Switch, but I got a Switch from Nintendo before launch for coverage, which was amazing. Thank you, Nintendo. That was great. My Joy-Con did not work out of the box, one of my Joy-Cons. It just would not connect. And I just dealt with it for a really long time and was using, like, the Pro Controller. And then I finally got sick of it, and I sent it into Nintendo. And it turned out it was, in fact, defective. Uh, when I called Nintendo, they were like, well, it might be that you have a fish tank next to your con They gave me all these lame excuses for what it might have been. I, I thought it was defective. They convinced me that it probably wasn't, is basically what happened. And then months went on, and I tried to, like, set it up where I knew there wasn't any interference, and it still wouldn't work, and I finally gave in and sent it in. They they replaced it, I believe. I don't think they repaired my Joy-Con, but they did did replace it for free, and I got a Joy-Con that worked. And then I start seeing all these stories about the drifting analog sticks on the Joy-Cons. And I was like, well, I didn't have that problem, but I had the other one. And then... In the middle of playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, I started getting analog stick drift. And I started noticing it because I would have my thumb off the stick and the cursor would start going up through the menus. And I was like, wait a minute, why is it moving? And over the, in the time I played Fire Emblem, it's now terrible. Literally, like it, will, it just holds up all the time now. So I'm going to have to go through the process of replacing my Joy-Cons. And one thing that's great is Nintendo said that no matter when you got your Switch... You can send in your Joy-Con and get them replaced, which I am going to do. This week, the story that kind of spurred this topic on for today's high score, uh, Nintendo just released an updated model of Switch. And it's not that much different. It's kind of like the hardware revisions that they've done for PlayStation 4, where it maybe consumes a little less power, and maybe there's some slight buffs here and there. I think maybe the screen on the new Switch is a little bit better. It's made by like Sharp or something like that. And basically, if you have bought a Switch within the last month, Nintendo is willing to let you send in the old Switch you just bought to get the new model Switch. To which I say, hey, what about me? I'm one of the people that was there who bought a Switch at launch. Well, I didn't buy it, but Nintendo sent it to me. But people who buy consoles early are the ones who get that platform on its feet. Um, Nintendo itself has been great about this in the past. So, remember the 3DS, the original 3DS, that clunky prototype that probably never should have been manufactured, that millions and millions of people, myself included, bought. And then you bought it, and they put out a better one, and people are like, wait a minute, this this new version is way better. And in that case, it was far more extreme, because... The new 3DS was almost like a different platform. It was that different. With the Switch, it's not that big of a change. But with that 3DS, they created this ambassador program where they gave you a bunch of free stuff and they gave you like this badge that said, I'm an early adopter. Nothing like that has been suggested for Switch with this new model coming out. And to be perfectly honest with you, if Nintendo hadn't have said... We're going to replace people who have bought them in the last 30 days. I never would've even thought about it. But once it announced that, I was like, wait a minute, what about me? And look, there are, to be honest with you, would I even send it in? Probably not. If they said, look, people who had launched, got the launch units, we're already replacing your Joy-Cons, that's cool. If you want, you can send in your unit and we'll replace it with a new one. I probably wouldn't have even done it because it's the switch that I have now. It's my switch. It's like I have built a relationship with that switch and I do have some very light scratches on the screen from the dog. I don't care. I would keep my switch. It's the lack of an offer that bothers me. The the fact that Nintendo didn't even consider making the offer to me bothers me even though I wouldn't take them up on it. And look, to be fair, I would say Nintendo has done a great job with Switch, just across the board. Uh, I have had Joy-Con problems since day one. I'm not going to really hold that against Nintendo, although I think you can hold the drifting analog stick problem against Nintendo at this point because it's such a widespread issue. But having a defective Joy-Con at launch, that was just bad luck, and I have plenty of that, as you guys know. That was just another one. But when you create a program for people who are just piling on, because that's what's happening at this point with Switch. Switch is already a massive runaway hit. There's no doubt about it. You helped them do it. I helped them do it. If I didn't help them buy in a console, but I bought software at launch. We're the people that got Nintendo back on its feet after the Wii U debacle. And it's just odd to me that Nintendo would look at the 3DS situation and say, you know what, this is a case where we should reward our most dedicated fans. But then, with the Switch, which is its biggest hit since, I don't even know when, since the Wii, it's not willing to work with its biggest fans to help them out. That seems a little weird to me. Am I, am I exaggerating here? Am I blowing things out of proportion? Let me know. Would you, if Nintendo offered, would you send in your Switch and get it replaced? Uh, Like I said, mine has the scratches on the screen from the dock on the edges. I've had tons of problems with the Joy-Cons. I would not send mine in because I love my Switch. This Switch has gone with me on flights all over the country. Um, We've had some good times together. No, seriously, though. I'm weird. Like, I do build, like, relationships with my hardware. And I will say this. Even after, like, five or six years, I still don't feel like I have that with Xbox One. I still don't feel that way. Um, So what do you guys think? Am I overreacting here? Am I being crazy? If Nintendo did offer this to you, would you even send your Switch back for the new, slightly better screen that doesn't suck quite as much power? Would you do it? Or are you just happy with what you've got? That's kind of my case. It's the gesture, I think, more importantly, that's kind of bothering me and putting me off. Or am I just nuts? Am I overreacting... Is this something that isn't really a story and I shouldn't be that worried about it? Give me a call either way at Sifted Games on Skype. And this is our last topic of the day. So if you guys wanna get in on the show, this is your last opportunity. Um, let's see, while well, I wait for you guys to call about that. Oh, here we go. Oh, it looks like, we'll see. Hello and welcome to
1: today's
0: high score. Who do we have? Oh, it's Daniel. What's going on, man?
1: Yeah, not much. Um, I thought I'd call in because uh, this is one of the topics I was going to call in originally oh, for. Perfect. So, um, no, I, um, I I agree with you to a point. I think that uh, I probably, I don't know whether I'd send mine in. I've got a slight right Joy-Con issue where it keeps on pinging out of the the slot in handheld mode. Oh really? So, so like, if I hold it in handheld mode, like sometimes it fl- flicks out. So then I like it's really annoying. <laughs> so that would be yeah, so that's I've, weird. I've, I've been I've been debating whether to contact Nintendo about that anyway because it is a it's a Joy-Con issue because when I plug a friend's Joy-Con into it, it doesn't ping out. So it's that Joy-Con's uh, issue. So it's definitely, it's not. So it's the console, a connection it's, issue it's, with the Joy-Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So It's doing it. But um, what I would think is, is everyone did that? then Nintendo would just going to get all this hardware back. And it doesn't seem like financially that would be a very sensible idea. If I But, if I go but that's down what I wanted to road. ask. Do, do you but, think
0: most people would do that? Do you think most people would go through the hassle of sending their Switch in, not having a Switch for a couple weeks? Or do you think most people would be like, you know what? I appreciate you offering Nintendo, but no thanks, but awesome of you to offer.
1: I... Uh, yeah I, I don't think I would send mine in I think what I think it would I think it would have been a bit weird if they had I think what they're doing is because they've announced this new one and they feel like they haven't given people notice they feel bad being given them four months because they've waited this long to to jump in what I would do is they should offer everyone if they couldn't offer a, a free switch for everyone who had previous before that a discount and say if you switch if your trade yours in you'll get a new one for a discounted if you wanted to you know it's not really a very it's a very minor upgrade so why would you do that but i feel like that kind of offer would probably be wiser and i think maybe people would do it but and i think that way then they're not upsetting people by not offering it if that makes sense
0: yeah i think what was good about the way they handled that 3ds ambassador program was that you didn't really have to do anything Nintendo just recognized from your account that you had bought the OG 3DS, and it basically just sent you cool stuff through your account. Yeah. And so you didn't have to actually do anything for them to reward you for being loyal.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's a a tricky one, because you can go down the line there, you give everyone who signed up day one a free upgrade, but then what happens to the people between day one install and... The I think it's the 18th of July. What about those middle people who jumped in in the between time? So it gets to a very st- weird situation of you either give it to everyone, which I don't think any company in their right mind would do, in the off chance of everyone do trading it in, or you just do this and upset. I don't. I don't. I think maybe you should offer them something else to appease them for being upset. I don't know. What, <laughs> Daniel? What do you, Daniel, what do you think
0: we can do to reward the people who build platforms? Um, what? I think if I think you're an early is, adopter, I mean, you're probably usually an early adopter.
1: Do you feel like you get burned uh, a lot yeah, as somebody who buys stuff early? I think yeah, you do get. You do get. Uh, I didn't actually buy the Switch early because I was concerned about being stung, like like you just said. So it put me off because I was like. So are well, you at a point in your life issues. where you try not to would, be
0: the early adopter now?
1: But but I would PlayStation Five. I'll buy day one. No matter what. No matter what, because of because oh, this sounds a bit weird, but things that Sony have messed up on, and then not recently, but when they first had a few, lot of few issues at the beginning of the life like uh, PlayStation 4's lifeline, they gave me a lot back in return when they did make mistakes. So I feel like I've got that trust that if it's buggered, then hopefully I'll be sorted out. But that is a risky take, I suppose, which is sad that you have to be in that boat and take that risk as an early adopter when I think, actually, you're right, you should be awarded. I think there should be a scheme with Nintendo that once you've... Every year anniversary, because I'll know when you've signed up or you've bought it, whatever, then you'll get more discounts of certain things or maybe games that have been out for longer or things, because Nintendo never discount anything, really. They starting to do a little bit more on their stores, but generally so, they don't really discount. So there could be something they could... Initiate. they could do it, or any company really does to, to keep you in in that wanting to jump in day one because you're right if people don't jump in day one then other things get lost nothing and happens after that nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, you have exactly. nothing
0: you don't have that person that just bought a switch two weeks ago if you and i aren't buying them three years earlier it just simply doesn't happen yep. but you do bring yep. up a really good point man which is you know what Maybe they don't replace everyone's Switch, but maybe they find something else to give us. Maybe they give us, like, a free four months of Nintendo Online. Doesn't matter to me because I already paid for it, but for some people it might. They're like, oh, wow, I can play Smash Online for free for four months. I mean... There's other things Nintendo can do to keep me from getting so pissed off because I mean, honestly, well, if they had, what if they just gave us like a free NES game that we could just keep forever? Like even something like that, I think sometimes it's more about the gesture than the actual item.
1: Yeah, agreed. It's a gesture. But what I would say is, I think now this is the first thing you can say this because Nintendo's uh, library is actually so good now with like first party. They could even offer you, in like maybe not now, but in a year's time, they could offer you a first year launch game. True. One game from the first year of launch. Mario. Yeah, let you
0: choose between like Mario or Zelda or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because you've been there for so long. If you don't already own it, there you go. A lot of people say, I own both, but at least it's the gesture's there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's so. really what bothers me is that we're like the forgotten people, but to me. We should be, like, the most important people to these companies. The other thing, too, is that games are very unique in that, I mean, you buy a TV. If you want, they don't just, like, upgrade that same TV. They put out a new model of television. So games are kind of an anomaly where you buy this thing and it's the same thing, but it's better all of a sudden. It doesn't really happen with a lot of other products. So it's hard to kind of draw parallels or comparisons from other parts of my life as a consumer to apply to this.
1: Yeah. It's a weird one, really. I think you're right. It is weird. It's weird. It's, it, you do feel like you get penalized. Yeah. <laughs> but I
0: think, but For I being think, the good what? guy.
1: Yeah, because I think if you look through it though, if you think about like the Xbox like generation ago where they had the the ring of death, and you have got yep. all these other previous ones where you had the rubber on the on the X uh, the PlayStation 4's doing it, PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four controllers, the rubber of the Joy-Con rubs off, especially the early ones, the newer ones less so. That yeah, happens. just like disintegrated. I've had I've had, I've had a lot less issue with the disintegration since they put the light bar in, so they must have changed the rubber component because the first few I lost like two controllers because the rubber especially playing first person shooters oh the you playstation just, they'd, 3 they'd controller go. in my opinion was terrible oh yeah it, you'd, you'd, you'd slip off the end and it was always terrible it was
0: the it? analog sticks the nubs were rounded so your thumbs yep. would never it was just awful and i started having um joystick problems with my ps3 controller within like a year and a half of buying it at least my oh, joycon yeah. analog stick lasted a couple years
1: yeah I find I found that with my Joy-Cons. I play as as I think we've talked about before I play I'm really weird. I play all my most of my games handheld and I have found the Joy the Joy-Con's joysticks on the Joy-Cons getting a bit weird now just because of they haven't they haven't started drifting but I think it's getting there. I wouldn't be surprised if they start drifting soon just because you can kind of feel them and they just feel a bit they don't feel as like it's not stiff but as like the movement they're a bit slippier than they used to be if they you know what i mean they're moving a bit more freely than i would like they're a bit more yeah so i've got an issue i definitely that's going to be an issue i think and i just think nintendo they need to help us out because i'm why am i paying 70 70 quid or 60 quid or 70 dollars for a new set i know yeah. they're given for free but like when i can go and buy a playstation 4 controller on a on a, on a sale for like 30 quid or so it's madness <laughs> How much are Switch games in Europe for you? So a Switch game, anywhere between... I think I got um, Odyssey for £42. Okay. So, so it actually
0: you are basically paying around the same as we do.
1: Yeah, so I pay... Switch games generally... Like I haven't bought any Switch games that have been more expensive than a PlayStation 4 game, if that makes sense. It does. I've like always... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've been quite fortunate. But I would just shop around for that. I won't... Uh, so, but I can so because the cart issue everyone's talking about for me hasn't been a problem. But then I haven't bought any games where they've had to use the bigger cart, I suppose. Or if they have, I haven't. Been penalized for price because I bought it later or whatever else. So, but no, yeah, it's about the same price. But so, I don't know how that's going to continue, the same price. Like, it's amazing that video games haven't gone more expensive. I don't think, really, in the grand schemes for me, it's really crazy. From PlayStation 3 you to PlayStation about. 4. We think of the technology on them and the storage now, like with uh, the cost Red Dead of development, the cost of yeah, exactly. goods.
0: It's insane how much more expensive it is to make games now. It's such a bigger risk. I mean, even if you look at how much it costs to develop an Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, and then you adjust that cost for inflation. Current game development is just miles more expensive than it used to be. It's not even in the same galaxy.
1: Yeah, but then you can see why Ubisoft. you talked about it, and it's slightly going off the topic, but you see why Ubisoft make games the way they do, where they have people just designing assets. Yep. For that thing, and then they bring it all together yep. because then they can release so many more games a year, and so then that kind of justifies all those studios. Now, my qu- so, my final
0: question for you is Yeah. Based on this, or maybe not just on this, but on your life experiences, are you going to be less likely to be an early adopter of electronics in the future? No. No, <laughs> If if I can afford them,
1: if I can afford them, I'll buy them. Yeah, and I, think I mean, I mean, me, I'll
0: I'll be honest with you too. Because like, because I'll of, I'll try to put on a tough face, but ultimately, when that new Zelda drops or that new Mario drops, I'm gonna buy it.
1: To be fair, I'm better with software than hardware. Oh yeah, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a FOMO when it comes to. Missing out, like missing out on the new thing, the new toy. well I think the um, problem was, is that I now
0: was... it's like if you don't play it right away, it's probably going to get spoiled for you somewhere. If you use social media, someone's going to spoil something.
1: Yeah, I think there is certain things that I have to buy on day one, but I'm generally like I generally try and avoid stuff if if I really want to like don't want the spoilers. Or I have to buy it day one. So I know I'll be buying Pokemon day one. And there'll yeah. be things, certain games I'll be picking up day one. Other games, I'm like, well, I can wait. Like, I've only, I have I got Spider-Man off my friend about two months ago. So I waited a long time to play that. But last year, I was day one for God of War. So it just really depends where, what time of year it is, the money I've got in my pocket, and how desperately I want to play the game. And, and whether Matt and I day. tell you to buy it or not, right? <laughs> Generally, that's. The thing. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm thinking about buying a game, and then I'll be like, actually, like, I was going to. I was in for. um, What's the. Oh, uh, uh, Fire Emblem. Ah. Uh, and then you just said it got a bit arduous after a certain yeah. many hours. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to jump in. Yeah. So you. <laughs> you my, uh, yeah, my counter on Fire Emblem right now is
0: like 75 hours. And I do think that, like, if you. I think if you pause it, it keeps running the clock. But I think if you back out to the home screen on the Switch, it doesn't. So it's definitely inflated a little bit here and there. But <laughs> that's like a ballpark figure of how big that game is. And there's like yeah. branching stuff in it. Like you get, like at the end of the game, there's a couple big decisions you make that literally just branch the game off in completely different directions. So there's incentive to play it again to kind of split off. My biggest complaint about that game at this point is the lack of saves. There's only like five or six. And so when I first started, like I had a save that was at like 11 hours, then one at 25 hours, then one at 38 hours, and then one at 40 something. And then I just had to give up. Now I just have like one save left that is basically where I am at that point in the game. And the farthest I have a save now is at like the 40 hour mark.
1: It's just gigantic. So oh, no. maybe
0: you made the right choice there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, that's weird for me because recently I have had two game ending bugs on the two games I've recently played. Oh, no. And i am been gutted. That's the uh, worst. That is the worst. Cadence of Hyrule, I beat all four bosses and went to the final castle. And the instrument won't play. I've watched loads ah. of walkthroughs, just what happens. So I'm like, oh, I'm not playing this again. Hey, hey, so while I you're the- playing that, did you ever have a point where the game
0: told you uh, you can't finish this level now, and it just sent you back to your last save point? No. Yes, I had. I've three Weird. times while I was playing that game. I got in a situation where items were positioned in such a way on the map. That the game basically broke and said, "Oh, you can't complete this now. We have to wipe out what you did and take you back."
1: Yeah. So whatever I've done, I'm stuck at the gates, and the force field won't come down. And I've got the items I need to open it. I've read loads of it's stuff. It's just a glitch. Now you're good to go. It's a glitch. And then the other game was um, the mutant one and uh, Road Road to e- Road to Eden. Mutant uh, year uh, Zero. Zero. Yeah. So beat the last like. It's like most- Howard the Duck. Cross yeah, with XCOM, but, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a big Xbox fan, so it was fun. But yeah, we got to the last thing where you're supposed to get on this lift, and it triggered the sequence, and then my game crashed. I loaded it back up, and that won't let me trigger the lift.
5: Uh. So I'm just stuck
1: there. And I looked at my game save, and that was one time I didn't save regularly. Stupidly, listen my game save, and it was like five, ten hours earlier. Oh, and I was like, oh balls! Not going so back. That's that. it. Like, yeah. Unless they so issue I'm some kind of a patch that fix it, you're done. Yeah, so I'm I'm like uh but anyway, but yeah, but no, I do agree with you. I think early adopters do get screwed a little bit, but I think I think they they kind of play on your intrigue of wanting to be there day one, yeah, FOMO, wanting to play that, yeah, that FOMO. But I think what Nintendo did really well, and I know we're upset with him now for this thing, but actually by replacing the Joy Cons. Because some companies wouldn't have done that, and that would have completely destroyed it. It would have got at least a lot of even the things where people said Joy-Cons weren't working, the positive side was, oh, you can send them off and get new ones. Honestly, I think in 2019, they
0: did have to replace the Joy-Cons. Like, they could have gotten away with that back in, like, the N64 era where the analog sticks were getting ground into dust. And they did get away with it, but... In 2019, with social media the way it is, like, you can't get away with that crap anymore, man. Like, someone's going to call you out. There's going to be a class action lawsuit. There's going to be some stupid list for people to sign. Like, it's just the way things are. Like, you can't really get away with screwing over the consumer that bad. But they can get away with this.
1: Yeah. And also, Nintendo couldn't afford for the Switch to flop. Nope. And I think
0: well it can. I Honestly, I think, Honestly, I think Nintendo of, could afford for like well, two or three console generations to flop. That's how true. much money it has. That's how much well, cash de- it has. Well, reserves. I think,
1: I think I think they definitely can now.
0: Yeah. I think no, even before the that. They still had all that Switch, money from know, the Wii.
1: They have a huge the was, amount. Not just the Wii was a ridiculous. A ridiculous. Uh,
0: I mean they have yeah. a pile of cash, people you can't even fathom it. Nintendo's good. It's not going anywhere. But Daniel Thank you for calling in. You're going to end up being our last call on this episode of today's high score. We started out a little slow, but y'all rallied in the end. So thank you. Thanks for uh, being a part of the show, Daniel. Have a great Saturday, man. You too, man. Cheers. Take care. Bye. All right. That's it for another episode of today's high score here on Sifted Games at sifted.net. If you came in late, we start the show every Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific. We actually promoted this show out to all of our channels this time. Uh, We went on our YouTube channel and told people to come and join us. We went on our Patreon, on Sifted, all social media. Um, So we're trying to get a big audience built up for this. I know a lot of people watch the show the first time and don't participate. uh, But I think as you watch the show, you understand that uh, we're going to treat you with kids' gloves. We're going to take care of you once you get on the show. So I hope some of you who sat and watched this week will get Skype set up and maybe a camera. Don't have to have a camera but maybe a camera to come on the show next week. A couple notes before I go and finally have my one day off for the whole week. Um, uh, Gamescom kicks off on Monday. Uh, our Gamescom hub is live already. Our top 10 most anticipated games of Gamescom is live already to get you hyped up for the show. Uh, Matt and I will be here on this very spot for Game Face on Tuesday, and that is at 1 p.m., pacific 4 p.m eastern on tuesday so some of you who maybe stumbled onto today's high score will join us for our flagship show on tuesday if not as always it will be archived for you to watch whenever you want so thanks again for all of you who participated had a couple new callers this week which was great had great discussion as usual Uh, we'll see you back here next saturday at 2 p.m pacific have a great weekend